listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the Astros Future Podcast, Brian and I are going to talk some prospects, recap the last week, and discuss some hot topics with the Astros Big League Club. But first, Brian, we're recording on Sunday, so happy Father's Day to you. Yeah, man, happy Father's Day to you, and happy Father's Day to all listeners out there that are fathers. Yep, definitely. So we'll jump right into the minor leagues. We'll look at the Skeeters first. They're sitting at 23 and 15 right now. I think we, we, I feel like we've talked about them every week, but the main guy that uh, a lot of people had their eyes on, Jose Siri completely came back down to earth so in june right now he's he's played in 14 games he's hitting 220 he's got a 571 ops he's only driven in one run in 14 games and not that obviously we we didn't want anyone to fail but a lot of us were trying to say you know kind of pump the brakes on this guy the peripherals aren't great and unfortunately in june he's, he's really came back down to earth and kind of showing why he was a guy who was available for all teams to sign him as a minor league free agent yeah, exactly. I mean, unfortunately, he did just crash down to earth. And, and like we said last week, or like I was saying, I just, you know, I, 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 we never thought that he was going to be a big piece or even like a smaller piece of the big league club. But one thing that I kind of hoped uh, hoped and held out hope for is that, you know, maybe we can use him as part of a trade uh, later in this, uh, you know, later this summer for maybe a bullpen arm or something like that. But even at this point, I think he would probably be a throw in. So that's likely to not happen. The league just adjusted to him. Yep. Yeah. And it could be a bad stress. Like I said, it's only 14 games in June. Hopefully he'll get it kind of turned around. And overall, the season numbers still look pretty good, but just kind of a rough stretch for him. But there have been some some movements in the minor league system. One was uh, J.J. Matajevic, who was a second round pick a few years ago, got promoted to AAA. He's 25 years old, but he is a guy who is known for his bat, a good power bat so far this year. He's got 10 homers, 30 RBIs and 32 games. Also drawn 21 walks. He's probably going to be, you know, a first baseman, corner outfield type of guy. But, yeah, first AAA game, hit a homer and had some really good numbers down in Corpus. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I know he's he's 25, but age is kind of one of those numbers. It's it's a little difficult to look at look at this year because, you know, last year he would have been 24 in AAA if, if you know, that we actually had a season. So, you know, he's, he's a bat that I'm kind of excited to see how he continues to play uh, in AAA because the, the numbers in AA were, were pretty nice. Yeah, and, you know, last week whenever we were talking about him and some other guys that that also were promoted that we'll talk about later, you know, we mentioned the fact that there wasn't a minor league se- season last year, and we could see some general managers, including uh, James Quick, possibly move some guys up that would have been at that level anyway had COVID not happened. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot with a lot of these early season promotions. And Matajevic absolutely uh, deserved it. He's been playing really well. You know, it's like you said, he's a, he's probably we're looking at like a corner outfielder or first baseman type of bat. Um, I mean, this guy hasn't played first base yet, but the first name that came to mind would have been someone like a Chaz McCormick, who in Chaz's case, he can just play every position in the outfield. But, you know, you're just looking at like a spot starter here and there to give a regular guy a day off 
but those kinds of guys are valuable. I mean, look what Marwin did for us during his stretch here. He cashed in in free agency. Yeah, and that's you know, the versatility is big. He has played other positions. He he actually was drafted as a second baseman, you know, but he's kind of a kind of a bigger, bulkier guy. But yeah, he'll have some versatility. And you know, not that we want any of the the prospects that we follow to get traded, but we've mentioned that is a, a possibility mm-hmm. too. And you know, it and unfortunately that you don't want to see some of the guys leave, but at the same time, it might be better for their career too if they end up getting moved out because the Astros, you know, MLB roster is so stacked. But yeah, the, the guys continue to play well in the minors, and it just opens up opportunities for them. Uh, you know, here or potentially elsewhere. So another guy who uh pretty excited about it, he's had a good season and he's had, he actually had a really good week, Jake Myers. He's up to nine homers, which has already tied his career high. And then we're only in June, you know, only a month and a half into the season, but hitting 286, got a OPS almost 900. But the guy's an elite defender in the outfield. And, he was, you know, I talked to Jason Bell last week and he talked about he was a good defender when they drafted him and they've worked with him. And he said he's he's now in the elite category, you know, and play he can play all three outfield positions but if you can provide elite defense at really any position but especially the outfield you know and you can have a solid bat and have some homers or something that that's a guy that I think has a good chance of having success in the major leagues and I'm not saying he's going to come in and you know take over Brantley's job in a year or two or whatever maybe take over center but if you can play good defense and you have a little bit of bat to go with it, you can find your way onto an MLB roster and stick there for quite a while. I mean, we saw it with, with Jake Marisnik. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just about to talk about Jake Marisnik. And then another name that came to mind was Josh Reddick. Although earlier in Reddick's career, he was, he was an offensive machine at one point, Mm -hmm. but you know, you're right, man. I mean, if you can play elite elite defense, especially for the outfield like that, and you know, I'm not sure uh, how good his arm is. Maybe, you know, but you know, just the fact that he has uh, an elite glove and he plays uh, such good defense, he will stick on a major league club at some point. You know, maybe as like a fourth or fifth outfielder, like you said, mm-hmm. maybe not somebody who comes in and likes the world on fire, but, you know, still, I mean, that, that's those kinds of guys are valuable. Even going back about 10 years, one guy who was basically all glove for us for a few years and, and barely anything with the bat, but he stuck at the majors for a while was Matt Dominguez. I mean, at one point he yeah. was talked about as being the, the best defensive player in all of minor league baseball. So, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Myers. That's a good story for him. Yeah, that's crazy you mentioned that. I was actually just looking up his stats the other day because I was really excited when we got him in the Carlos Lee trade. I was thinking, yeah. this is a guy who, once again, if you if he can provide elite defense and just be solid with the bat, you know, maybe that's a that's a, that's a win trade right there. And first, uh, I think his first full season with the Astros, he was solid. I think he, was per- he put up like two or three war or something like that. Uh, and then the bat just really fell off. And, you know, he's, he's obviously completely out of the majors now, but – Speaking of the Marlins and a trade we made with them, another guy that is pitched a couple of times this week, but man, things just aren't looking good. Francis Martez, he's he's up to three and a third innings. He's allowed seven hits, 12 runs, eight walks, and he finally struck out his first batter last night. So eight walks and three and a third. And I know it's been a while since he's pitched, but it almost looks like he's just, I don't know if he just doesn't have it, if he, if he wasn't prepared. I mean, I know you can't play in games, obviously, when the suspension and stuff, but you would think you would keep yourself maybe game ready but just a really, really rough, you know, three or four games so far for him. Right. I mean, just yesterday, looking at his box score from uh, the game in Sugarland, um, he went two thirds of an inning, gave up five hits, seven earned runs and walked two. Now, you know, a lot of us that or a lot of people that may be listening and, and, and even us, whenever we see numbers like that for someone, we immediately would think, OK, we got to send them back down to the minors to get something uh, worked on that's where he's at right now working on. So I don't know, man, I don't know how much longer he'll be in the system or even with the Astros. They may end up having to remove him for the 40 man if we need a spot open. But um, 
I don't know. You may end up seeing him demoted even farther if they decide to keep him, like possibly going down to double A. But he hasn't played in so long, and he was suspended what multiple times, right? right. So yep. I mean, he just may have to, you know, be getting back to the basics at this point. Yeah, and it was. I, we talked with Jay Kaplan about it, and not that we expected him to come in and you know hurry up and come up to the Astros and be a big time bullpen player, but. I had hoped that given his experience level and the stuff he had, that maybe he could come into AAA as a just a mid-inning reliever and hopefully have some good outings. And unfortunately, that hasn't happened. So there's still plenty of time. You know, there's no there's no rush on that. But unfortunately, the the start of his minor league uh, season has, has not been going very well. So we'll we'll jump on down to Double A. The, the hooks are sitting at 16 and 18, but outside of that, there's a lot of interesting storylines. So Pedro Leon one of the top prospects that the Astros have down in double A and had a really bad first month of the season, but he's got his OPS up to 782, which is pretty respectable for a guy who hasn't played in two or three years and his first time playing in the U S and he's got six homers total so far in June, he's hitting 333 with four homers, nine RBIs. So completely different season for him, how the last 20 days have gone versus the first month of the season. Yeah. You know, that first month of the season, that was one thing that you and I hammered on was how he hadn't played organized baseball in some, in some time, man. It had been a while, uh, and not just because of COVID, but just because of him you know, coming to America and everything. So we knew there was going to be an adjustment period. We didn't think it was going to end up being like this big of an adjustment, but you know, it's still something, you know what I mean? And he, he's doing really well now. Hopefully we continue to see him you know, going up. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to have his off days every now and then, just like anybody else. But, but this is the, these are the types of numbers we were expecting whenever we signed him, and, and it's good to see that from him now. Yeah, you know, he's 23 years old, so everybody wants to have that top prospect come up when they're 21, 22, something like that. But we've seen the contributions of guys who come up when they're, you know, maybe maybe older. I mean, we've seen what Gurriel has done. So if Leon has to take a full season in AA and another full season in AAA and he comes up at like 25, that's that's not that's not a bad thing. I think we'll be okay. So, yeah, definitely good to see him turn it around. And, but if he continues on this trend that he's on right now and he finishes off the month well and he continues hitting well into July – the Astros may not hesitate and may go ahead and bump him up to Sugarland and just see what he can do at the AAA level. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still kind of, I'd, I'd like to see him uh, see what he does over the, the rest of this month. And obviously yeah. maybe to the all-star break before we start promoting him, because that adjustment period back uh, in the first month of the season, man, that was rough for him. Mm-hmm, I mean, at sure. one point he struck out like what, like 12 times uh, out of 15 or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, so it was, it was, it was yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, that, that's one thing that I'd like to see him do a little bit yeah. more before we bump him up to AAA. But, hey, you know, they know better than I do. So one other top prospect who is now in AA has been promoted this week, Corey Lee. So the Astros' first-round pick in 2019 promoted to AA. First game, hit a two-run homer to take a lead, like in the seventh inning. And then they ended up losing the game last night. But he had a, a grand – they were down 4 nothing. He came up with the base load to hit a grand slam. So solid start to him so far this year. Um, the guy just looks like a – he looks like a major league catcher. You know, and the, the swing looks good. So far, uh, you know, did really, was hitting really well in Nashville. I think he was hitting like 330 before the promotion, and now he's got two homers in just a few games in Corpus. So really nice to see him, you know, up in double-A this quick. And we had talked about it. If, if he continued hitting at, at the way he was, we talked about this just last week, that he was going to get promoted. And I figured it would happen before July. I think it literally happened like a day or two after we, you know, got done recording the podcast. But nice to see him in double-A and already kind of finding that power stroke there. Yep, for sure. And uh, at least for me, he was the the top guy I wanted to pay attention to a lot this year in the minor league in all of our uh, minor league system. Um, so it's good to see him at Double A with Pedro Leon, another fan favorite. Um, you know, Corey Lee, man. I mean, he's gonna. I, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to keep him down if he continues to play like this. 
Uh, like you said, I mean, he's been, he, his bat is looking great. That was one of the things that they were talking about whenever we drafted him was, you know, they didn't know how good the bat would hold. It's been holding pretty well so far. So we'll have to see from there, man. But, you know, we, we did re-sign Maldonado to a multi-year deal recently. Mm-hmm. It was like a two- or three-year extension. We've got Castro under uh, contract for this year and next year. So I don't know that Corey Lee will be in the plans like that quickly, but he's going to make it a conversation at least, man, because he's he's really making some noise down there. Right, and if he if he pushes, you know, and he makes the Astros make a decision on, you know, to to pull pull him up or whatever, then that uh, that'd be awesome. So yeah, I think it's just it's good to see him hitting the ball well. You know, I had I had really high hopes from last year, and then obviously we didn't have the season. So nice to see him come out hot, make it to Double A after just a month and a half, and, and start hot so far with the hook. So one other prospect I'll talk about down there, hitting prospect, Marty Costas. The Astros drafted him. It was actually kind of funny. They drafted him in the twenty fifth round in seventeen. He didn't sign. Went back to college. Then drafted him in the 22nd round in 18. Had some decent numbers in the minors. He had like 270 in 2019. But so far this year, through 35 games of the hooks, he's hitting 333. He's got good walk and strikeout ratios. You know, not a guy who's going to hit for a ton of power, doesn't steal a, a ton of bases, but a solid bat. And, you know, it's it's the numbers that he's posting around, 333 batting average and a 442 on base percentage, those are kind of hard to overlook, you know. And if he can continues to hit like that, he could be a guy who's probably going to end up seeing himself in AAA where we already have a log jam of outfielders with Jake Myers and Ronnie Dawson and Jose Siri and Brian De La Cruz. So the Astros are getting a lot of a lot of good offensive performances this year from prospects that maybe coming into the season, you not you you weren't necessarily expecting them to to really be on the radar. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, whenever you were telling me about him, the one thing that kind of came to mind was, you know, looking back 10 years or so ago, well, about 10 years from now. When the Astros were terrible, it was right before, well, right around the time we were about to hire Luno, uh, Crane had bought the team. Um, We were that team that had hardly anyone at the major league level that you could build around because they were all older and you had nothing in the farm system. So any trades that we were making with these older players, we had to basically gamble on lottery tickets. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he could end up being like one of those lottery ticket type guys that we could use in a trade for, for a player here or there that, you know, may not be on the young side that we're trading for. So we're not going to, that other team may not get much for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like these kinds of players are good to have in the system and it's good for them as well, because, um, you know, especially if there's a team out there that's looking to start over or or looking to rebuild, you know, that's what they want to do is they want to see what they've got in some of these young players and and just kind of go from there. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of like a LJ Hose, you know, is a, an outfielder yeah. who is probably going to make maybe make it to the majors at some point, but doesn't have a tool that really stands out, but is, is solid enough across the board that, you know, like I said, he may end up uh, may end up getting a promotion and playing some time in the majors. And, you know, if, if as a 22nd round pick, like we've talked about in the past, if you can get any kind of value out of that, then, you know, you're obviously obviously doing well. So we'll jump down to the pitching side for the hooks. We talked about him last week. He had another good start this week. Hunter Brown, one of the top pitching prospects the Astros have. So had if you looked at the box score of his line, it didn't look very pretty because he ended up giving up four runs. But he threw like five shutouts, had nine strikeouts, went into the six, ended up giving up um, like a walk and a single, and then a three-run homer. Ended up allowing four runs, struck out ten, but ten strikeouts in like five and a third form. He's got forty strikeouts in twenty-four innings this year. So, despite the overall numbers not necessarily looking great, the ERA <laughs> and the walks and all that, you can see the the talent that he has. He's only twenty-two pitching in Double A, which is already pretty solid. So. Uh, just nice to see him have another outing where he is, you know, striking guys out at a high clip. Right. Um, you know, one of our Twitter buddies, Landon, was down in Corpus this week, and he saw that game that uh, Hunter Brown was pitching. He was kind of live tweeting it, and he got in, in depth on some of uh, 
uh, Hunter's mechanics and just inning by inning. So that was a pretty good read. But um, but yeah, man, I mean, we talked about him last week. He seems to be one of those guys that we kind of hit on multiple times throughout the course of a month whenever we're going through the minor league system, which is a mm-hmm. good thing, man. I mean, and like you said, um, his age versus, uh, you know, the, the level that he's at, everything's looking good for him. He seems to be on a good projection. So down in Asheville, we go back to go down to the tourists. They're sitting at 17 and 23. So they have, they've had some, some really uh, phenomenal offensive numbers. And I just happened to go look at the, the stadium and it's uh and it's crazy. It's, it's pretty small. I think center's like 373 left fields, 326. And I think right's like 295. So pitching there is probably, you know, it's, it's not easy. And if you can put up some solid numbers there, it makes you wonder what you can potentially put up at another league. So a guy that I'm going to be very interested to see now, Jimmy Endersby, he was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Astros following last year's draft, which Normally you think, okay, no one wanted him, but it was only five rounds. He was a guy who was highly sought after and ended up choosing the Astros. Um, but down in high A, he had 43 strikeouts and 29 innings, and I think his ERA was around like four or something, but his FIP was a lot better. He just got promoted to double A, so he's a guy who I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do now that he's out of that you know hitter-friendly stadium down in Asheville. Yeah, for sure. That was one thing that uh, that we had talked about recently as well with him, and you know, I'm not saying this is going to be the case with him because we're a few years away, but you know, everyone needs bullpen help. And I know one thing that we've always kind of talked about, even just like, you know, through text messaging or whatever over the years is that you don't really want to have to pay for bullpen help out on the free agent market, unless you're just getting like one of those, you know, crazy good aces that's, or I'm sorry, not aces, closers that's uh, available, but you know, you want to be able to develop your bullpen from within. And we've got a lot of pitching just like him right now that are um, that's, that's doing really well down there and we could actually end up promoting them at some point they could end up in the bullpen for us yeah yeah that's uh we've, we've mentioned it that the depth is how you build a, a strong system a strong team and especially a guy like him a guy that was undrafted last year and if he can come in and he's going to be in double a in his first season if he has success you know that, that could be an arm once again that maybe you get some production from that you weren't necessarily counting on especially this year so and on the offensive side oh go ahead also. I'm just gonna say, like with Endersby, it's that trickle down effect. Yeah. We saw Corey Lee get promoted. We're seeing him get promoted. We're seeing these promotions happening. This is good, man. It's really, really good that that we're seeing a lot of these guys get promoted. That they're not just staying put. Um, it's yep. showing that the, the the front office, the Astros, they believe that they're doing really well and they want to challenge them and see how close they can get. Yeah, and we had talked about that. We were wondering how aggressive they were going to be, and I think we're already seeing that where. Corey Lee, you know, spent 30 games down in, in high A, and boom, he bumped to double A. We saw Joe Perez spend like 10 yeah. games in Fayetteville, got bumped up, and they're being aggressive with some of these prospects, which is nice because without the season last year, you want to see them be more aggressive and challenge these, these uh, players, and they're doing it. So um, it's definitely nice. There's been a lot of performances, at least uh, that I've seen, that you weren't necessarily counting on coming into the year, and, and that's made it a, a joy to watch. I mean, not just having minor league baseball back is awesome, but, you know, getting those surprise um, – performances has been really nice oh absolutely man and you know another guy that i know he's already been promoted once um but i would like to see perez promoted one more time this year not that it would be a bad thing or a failure if he's not this is just me being greedy because you know how much i really like him as a player but just because i want to see um you know he already dominated one level he's in another one doing really well there too let's Mm -hmm. bump him up one more time and let's just see um you know how far along he is i mean yeah he, he got you know he was unlucky with the injury bug uh, early on after we drafted him, but that's one guy that I'm really, really excited about in the future. Yeah, for sure. So uh, down on, you'll, you know, we, we put it on there, our, our stock up guys. He was one I was planning on talking about. He's got 11 doubles, seven homers this year. At 30 <laughs> games. And, no, it's, no, it's good. We'll talk about him now. And he's uh, 21 years old playing in high A. And like you mentioned, 
I think if, if he continues to perform at the, the level he is now, I don't see why the Astros wouldn't challenge him towards the end of the season in double A. And nothing he's done has looked, you know, he, he's not like he, you know, got promoted to high A and then his walk and strikeout rates went, you know, went to crap and he's getting overpowered and he got lucky and hit a couple bombs. No, he's, he's got 11 doubles, seven homers hitting 303 and OPS of almost a thousand. So I think if he continues that trend and, you know, plays well over the next month or two, I, I do think the Astros are going to end up being aggressive and challenging him and, kind of seeing what they really have in him and, you know, giving him an, an opportunity to show it at the double-A level. Yeah, and he's playing good defense as well, which is a pretty good thing whenever you're playing the left side of the infield like he is. So, For sure. Yeah. So another guy I'm hoping will get a promotion pretty soon, Alex McKenna. So he – Strikeouts are an issue for him. He's got 53 in 36 games, but he also leads the Astros minor league system in home runs with 11, OPS of about 1,000, uh, has seven stolen bases, eight doubles, hitting 289. So he's a guy who, when he got drafted, I was really excited about him, uh, had some injuries, hit like one home run in 70 games in 2019 because of, I think some of the power went away with some of the – I think he got had like a wrist injury or hand injury. But it's back this year, and – you know, he's played 36 games down in high A right now. He's 23, but hopefully the Astros will challenge him and send him up to double A and see what he can do. I know they probably want to see the, the strikeouts come down a little bit. And we've seen a lot of minor leaguers have insane, insanely high strikeout numbers and still be productive. You know, George Springer comes to mind as an outfielder, but he's a guy I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get to see what he can do at the double A level. Cause right now, I mean, he's, he, he's tearing the cover off the ball down in, in high A. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there with why he probably hasn't been uh, promoted just yet is because of the strikeouts. But like you said, that's not the end all be all or like the scarlet letter that's going to keep him away from doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, the double A level, at least in my opinion, is where you're going to see a lot of your more advanced pitching prospects. Mm -hmm. um, you see a lot of guys across baseball that get promoted straight from double A to the pros. man. So um, that would be a really good way to challenge him. And they may just want to see if you can cut down the strikeout, uh, the strikeouts before they promote right. him up to that level. So we'll jump down to, to Fayetteville. They're sitting at 15 and 25 right now, but they've had some some good performances too. They've been kind of a victim of uh, promotions. You know, Perez got promoted from there, uh, Barefoot, Melendez, who we talked about last week. But one pitcher down there that's had some some really insane numbers, Brian DePaula. He's a, a left-handed pitcher. He's got a 1.7 ADRA, 40 strikeouts and 30 innings, but he's allowed just 13 hits in 30 innings. It, it's an insane hit to you know hit per nine inning ratio and I don't know a lot about his stuff yet and I'm gonna have to start doing some more digging but guy having success I don't care I think he's 22 years old but I don't care how old you are or what level you're in if you can have success where you're limiting guys to only 13 hits in 30 innings you're doing something right yeah and whenever uh you know whenever we mentioned uh everything that we're going to be talking about today I, I did a quick google search for him because his name didn't ring a bell Mm -hmm. And apparently back in 2018, we got him from the Marlins for like cash considerations or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was that I saw. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't think that's wrong though. But, but anyway, yeah, I mean, those kinds of numbers are insane, dude. 40 strikeouts and 30 innings and only 13 hits. He's a lefty. So, you know, right there, he's already going to be valuable and, and a hot commodity. So, well, we'll keep our eye on him to see how he keeps uh, progressing. So on the on the downside, there's a pitcher down in uh, Fayetteville who has been struggling. Jason Schroeder, he was a second round pick by the Astros and, Struggled initially in his career, you know, or his minor league career. And I was really hoping after not having the season last year, maybe he would come out and he would be a lot better this year. And unfortunately, it just hasn't been that way. He's got an 8.53 ERA and he's, he's walked 25 in 19 innings. So, you know, you could look at the ERA and say, you know, maybe some bad luck. But when you're walking 25 in 19 innings, uh, something's just not right. And unfortunately, he's he's still struggling and, and kind of looking like it wasn't the right pick to make back in the second round a couple of years ago. So what you're saying is we need to keep him far away from Anoli Paredes as possible, right? 
<laughs> just kidding. No, I mean, he, he's still young enough to where we can, uh, you know, there, there's still going to be promise there, but yeah, um, not looking good for him at all, especially without the season last year. And then those small sample size that we had the year that he was drafted. So I don't know, man, maybe he can turn it around. You never know. So a fifth round pick that's in, in uh, Fayetteville right now, it's hitting well, Shea Whitcomb. He's hitting 291, six homers, 13 stolen bases. So nice to see uh, some more production out of some of the, the 2020 draft uh, draft picks. So he probably will end up being in high at some point. I think he's 22 already. So he'll probably end up getting promoted uh, eventually. But it's kind of one of those things, if the Astros are ready to promote him, they got to make sure, one, that there's a spot for him, and then, two, that they have someone ready yep. to you know step in his place because they're trying to – you know, still have solid players throughout the minor league system. So we'll see what happens with him. I did just do a quick search, and you're right, Brian DePaula was uh, – he was picked up from the Marlins for future considerations back in 2018. and Hasn't really done a lot until now, and, and he's had some really good numbers. So he's he's 21. He's going to be 22 in just a few days. But really good numbers for him. I'm excited to see how he continues to pitch and um, and how they continue to use him. Are they going to develop him as a starter, or do they, they see him as a – He's a big, tall lefty sitting, you know, he's like 6'3". Do they say, yeah, we're going to use him as a, as a bullpen guy and how to use him as, you know, to get lefties out? I, I don't know, but he'll be he'll be one to watch for sure for the remainder of the year. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and you know, just I'm no scout or anything like that, but just from looking at him and looking at what we've already discussed about him today and just over the last uh, day or so, the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, you're he's kind of he looks like to be more of like a bullpen type of arm, but mm-hmm. you know, you never know. But pitching is pitching, man. Yep. I mean, we can use every big league club can use it. We have one of the best uh, rotations, in my opinion, in all of baseball right now, but we could still use extra pitching. You, you know, it, it's never you can never have too much for sure. All right, coming right up, Brian and I will discuss the Astros' recent games and debate some of the hot topics with a big league club, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we'll get into the Major League Club now. Been a lot of fun recently. They're they're starting to play a, uh, some really good baseball. They're sitting at forty eight or forty two and twenty eight, fifteen and four over the last nineteen games. They're just one game back of o- Oakland. And uh, it, we talked about it. It feels like every week that we're waiting for them to hit that stretch where they they start really running off a lot of wins. And it, that I feel like we're kind of really getting into that. We talked about it. I think after this series, you know, the the our schedule is pretty easy for the next you know week or two. So this could be where the Astros hopefully start to put some distance in between themselves and Oakland. Yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, I was watching um, MLB Network the other day. You know, Robert Flores, Houston guy, big Astros fan. He was kind of joking on there. He was like, "Man, the Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, but they're not even the hottest team in their own division because they can't gain any ground on Oakland. Oakland yep. keeps winning." So yeah. But I mean, this is something that we talked about last week, dude. We haven't lost uh, all week. We're six and zero right now. We're doing really well. Um, at some point, Oakland's going to start losing. They lost yesterday to the Yankees, but the Yankees are, you know, they're basically a shit show right now. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully they can at least turn up today and, and you know beat Oakland for us again. But Oakland's just playing really well. But so are the Astros, man. And given the fact that. You know, anytime that we have a close game and we have to go to our bullpen, it's like a 50-50 chance of what's going to happen. The Astros are doing really, really well right now, man. It's just – it's exciting to watch. So, one thing I was looking at that I just want to note on uh, for stats. So, at home, they're 25-13, and but they're only 17-15 and on the road. So, hopefully they'll they'll get that kind of turnaround. But I don't know what it is. But, man, you just love seeing a team that plays well at home. Like, 25-13 and is awesome, man. And and we've seen it this week. They're 6-0 and this week. They beat the Rangers a couple times, and they've they've – you know, beat the White Sox the last three games. And White Sox coming into the series are 43-25, and 25, and the Astros have, have really dominated the series. They had the, the walk-off win from Jordan. But overall, it's, it's been 
once again, we talked about last week, if you were to just watch this series from an outsider, you're going to sit here and say, yeah, 100%, the Astros are the better team. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, like, I, obviously, I don't watch a lot of White Sox baseball, but <clears throat> coming into the series, you know, they were leading the American League uh, overall record and some other categories. But whenever we looked at their team, I mean, their, their pitching staff is legit, but their everyday lineup is nothing special. I mean, like, they got a couple of guys. Tim Anderson's a good leadoff uh, hitter, good shortstop, mm-hmm. but – there's no one in that lineup that I'm afraid of. Like there's just, there's not, I mean, normally with a team that's doing that well, you got a couple of bats in that lineup that you're afraid of, of, of right. seeing. And it just hasn't happened with me yet. So I don't know, maybe they've been taking advantage of an easy schedule as well, but they're clearly the best team in that division, at least as of now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Cleveland right now is doing pretty good, but, but yeah, man, I mean, uh, it, it's kind of interesting to see how, um, you know, Lee yesterday with Lance Lynn, there was that soundbite. I'm not sure if you saw it or not where, you know, he got, I think he got Altuve out or whatever, but he said F and cheater as yeah. he was, uh, you know, so yeah. it's kind of funny. I, I love seeing other teams get all up in their uh, feelings whenever we start really dominating them because yeah. all they can go back to is, oh, they're cheating. And even yeah. their announcers were saying it too. So. Exactly. Yeah, I saw that. And I don't know, it's annoying, <laughs> but whatever. I guess that's what happens when you win, right? If we were losing, they wouldn't be saying it. So you Dude, talked about the, the lineup. It's the NWO method. It's the yeah, NWO exactly. method. That's yep. what it is. I mean, like, not everybody out there is a, is a wrestling fan, but I think everyone knows who the NWO was. And yep. that's exactly what we are right now. We're the Golden State Warriors, what they were like seven, eight years ago. Yep, we're good, and everyone hates us because we're good, and they, they want to yep. go back to a reason why why they think that we're just having success. But you talked about the White Sox lineup, you know, not, not being – you know, fearful necessarily of anyone. And they have some solid guys, but overall, like, especially this, this week, and our pitching has just dominated the White Sox. You know, Luis Garcia, that dude's a freaking ace. I know we've talked about him a, yeah. a bunch, but he's got a 2.82 ERA, 80 strikeouts in 70 innings. And he, I mean, he he's looking like a guy who's going to be, you know, one of the top of the rotation type of arms for the foreseeable future. And even, even yesterday, you know, we saw him, he struggled a little bit early, gave up some hits, but hung in there, battled, and then then rolled off a, a nice dominant stretch. And or sorry, not yesterday, two days ago. But yeah, just a guy who's uh he, he's a he's turning himself into a legitimate ace, which is awesome because the Astros already have a really good pitching staff, a really good rotation at least. And and uh he's you know we talked about it I think two or three weeks ago. He's gonna he's gonna be an all-star this year. I yeah I agree. I think I think he will. Um but you know here what do you think is going to be his innings limit this year? You know, he's already at 70 innings, like you said, um, in, in years past, ever since, you know, Crane bought the team and, you know, we had Luno, they would always try to manage uh, rookies yep. and or second year players, you know, workloads, man. I mean, for sure. At some point, like maybe they end up, they, they you know, they may still put him in the bullpen. You never know. I, I hope yep. they don't. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, do you have like the number that keeps sticking out to me is about 150 innings. It's probably, yeah, I, be I think I could see that because his, his career high prior to this, you know, or career high is 108.2 and he's already at 70 and we're only in June. So um, I do think, you know, they'll obviously push him past that. And, you know, I think we'll see how it goes too. Cause man, Dusty, Dusty leaves guys in, you know, quite a bit. He puts a lot of pitches on him too, but I think he will, you know, he'll, he'll definitely eclipse the 108 as long as there's no injuries or anything, but I, I'm with you. I think 150 might be a spot where they might try to try to keep him at. And if he starts getting up to that level, you know, like I said, and we're all healthy, they may end up bumping him to the pin and just letting him kind of manage his innings. And then that way they can use him as a starter if, if and when they make the playoffs. Yeah. And see, that, that's my thing. It's like if we weren't, um, a, you know, a title contending team right now, I wouldn't really worry about his innings limit because it's not going to go past September. Mm-hmm. But now that, you know, we're looking at that and we're going to be in the playoffs and you're going right. to want that kind of guy in the rotation uh, for the playoffs. So, It'll be an interesting it's, – it's a good problem to have. Let's put it that way. So yeah. I'd rather have it this kind of problem than have it on the other side and not knowing Definitely. what we're going to do. So we'll get to one more 
one more good thing before we talk on some negative. But Altuve had the walk-off grand slam uh, earlier in the week in Texas. I mean, that was that was a, a great game to watch. You know, the Astros are down two to one, down to their final strike. Was it two to one? I think. I think having, it was two to one. Yeah. Down to their final strike, Correa hits a solo home run to tie it up. Ends up going, uh, yeah, it was okay. Ends up going into the tenth. So big clutch home run by Correa going to the tenth. The uh, Rangers pick up a run, the top of the tenth inning, in in a way that was kind of, I think it was like that liner off of Bregman or something. They end up picking up a run, and the Astros go into the bottom of the tenth, down three to two. Load the bases, really good at bats from uh, Straw and uh, Castro, and they end up loading, loading the bases for Altuve. And it didn't take him long, and he ended the game on a walk-off grand slam. And Altuve's sitting at 16 home runs right now. His career high, which we know of, was was uh, like 31, I think, back in back in 2019. But he did that <laughs> at 500 and uh, 500 at bats. He's at 16 right now through about 246. And it's really crazy the way he's developed into. I mean, still you still see the your typical Altuve where he's getting these hits on pitches that you don't expect, and he's poking balls to right field, but he's really developed into a, a, a really good, a lethal home run hitter. Oh, yeah, man, for sure. I love him in the leadoff spot. That's one thing that we had discussed, uh, you know, in, in the offseason whenever Springer went to Toronto was who are we going to put in that leadoff spot? And there was some talk about Correa. And then whenever Altuve uh, went on the COVID uh, injured list, you know, Correa was there. But, man, I just love having Altuve up there. Because it's you know he's going to have the most at bats in the game. He's probably our best pure hitter, uh, him or Bregman anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man, it's just the the way that he has evolved over the last ten years since he's been with the Astros has just been amazing to see. Yep. I mean, it, it, initially he was just kind of like your. I remember I started thinking like he's probably a little bit better than Willie Tavares. Remember that guy mm-hmm. when we oh, had yeah. him back in the mid two thousands. Yeah. But man, has he eclipsed that? And, and what I meant by that was I was never a huge Willie Tavares fan. I liked him because he played for our team. But, you know, he basically had to bunt to get on base uh, mm-hmm. most of the time. But Altuve, man, he can hit it everywhere. So all fields, uh, he's got power, he's got speed, he's got everything, man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love uh, what he's developed into. And, and it's my opinion that even if he retired right now, he's the best player in franchise history. Yeah, and he's, you know, one of the, been one of the main reasons that we finally got a championship. So on yep. the negative side, unfortunately, there there was some bad news this, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Bregman hurt his – I believe it was his quadricep, and right now they're not really sure on a timetable for return. So, you know, we've seen guys get injured. We've seen guys go out for a little while, but now your you're number three hitter, your MVP candidate is going to be out for an extended period of time. And right now it appears the answer is going to be Abraham Toro, who they called up and has got some starts over at third. I know uh, Garcia started yesterday, but we got to figure out what are we going to do when Bregman's out, especially if it ends up being a month or uh, six weeks. I don't know how long, you know, one of these injuries takes to rehab, but at this point it looks like we're going to be missing him for, you know, for quite a uh, extended period of time. Yeah. Right after the game, Dusty had said we're going to be without him for a while. And then just the other day on Twitter, it may have been yesterday. They, uh, I can't remember if it was Mark Berman or Chandler Rome or who, one of the beat writers, maybe even Kaplan they were quoting what, what Bregman was saying. And God, man, it made it sound, and I hope I'm wrong here, but it made it sound to me like Bregman was talking like he was out for the year. Mm. Um, I hope that's not the case. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we just don't know right now. I, I know you're high on Toro. You have been for a while. And, and he is going to get, I think, the bulk of the starts over there. So yeah, I hope, hopefully I he hope. Can, he can do well. <laughs> I yeah, hope he yeah, gets I mean, the like, bulk of the starts. <laughs> God, man, I'll be honest, dude. Yesterday, whenever Robel Garcia was up with the bases, I was like, Jesus, why? <laughs> like, yep. like I, didn't, I didn't have any faith in him, and, and he proved me wrong. But yep. um, I would have much rather seen Abraham Toro in that position. Yeah, same here. And and I, I do think Toro hopefully will get the bulk of the starts over there. I mean, this is an opportunity that we talked about to see what he can do. If he, if he ends up being a uh, 
you know, what if he uh, Bregman's out for six weeks and Toro ends up being uh, catching fire and has a, a really good six week performance? It kind of lets you know either you got two options, either one. You put them into your future plans, you know, at third, if, if Bregman yeah. played short, whatever the case might be, or anywhere else on the field, or it, it bumps up his trade value if you end up needing to trade him at some point, either this season or next season, you know, <laughs> and it just, it, you know, he's a guy who can kind of play all over. He played shortstop and one outfield position uh, with the Skeeters this year. So the Astros might be trying to make him into a, a full utility type player, kind of like we talked about with Marlon Gonzalez. But yeah, this is the opportunity to see kind of what he can do with the extended at-bats, nice extended period of time. And I hope the Astros at least give him that opportunity. Yeah, man, for sure. And I think that's what we're going to see here. Um, I, I, you know, maybe they'll split time with him and uh, Robel Garcia, but I, I, you know, I'm with you. I'd like to see Toro get the bulk of the starts. But, you know, one thing about Bregman, you know, last week, whenever we were, uh, when we were, you know, doing the, that, that week's episode, we had talked about how, you know, Bregman only has like six or seven home runs right now. And normally he has almost twice that amount. Mm -hmm. And you remember uh, back in spring training, he was a little slow to start off because of everything going on. So he's right. clearly been playing at not a hundred percent. I won't say playing injured, but not a hundred percent. So that's why Bregman's numbers haven't looked like Alex Bregman numbers yet. Right. I mean, they still were good, right. but um, you know, hopefully he can just get healthy, man. I mean, worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario is, He's out for the year, but I mean, I'm hoping that we can get him back before the playoffs, but yeah, you know, we'll just see what happens. Well, fortunately the Astros have, you know, a phenomenal offense and even without Bregman, our offense will continue to be good. And I was looking at the numbers. So the Astros are first in MLB and batting average first in on base percentage and first in slugging. So last week at this time, they were second in on base and second in slugging with on base percentage. They were second to the White Sox second to the Blue Jays, they've overtaken them both. So even without Bregman and putting Toro in there, I think the offense is still good enough to withstand him missing, you know, a, a little while. Obviously, if he's out, if he misses a season or something, that would be really bad. But the offense, I think, can overcome having Bregman injured for a little while. So we'll see how that goes. <coughs> but one guy I also want to talk about on the, on the pitching side, Framber Valdez, you know, broke out last mm -hmm. year looking like a true, you know, top of the rotation starter. And, man, so far in five starts this year, the guys look phenomenal. 1.67 ERA, 29 strikeouts in 32 innings, and it seems like it's just on command. When he needs a ground ball, he gets that ground ball. And he's a, he's a, a fun guy to watch pitch. I really enjoyed watching Dallas Keuchel. I like seeing the guys who – can rack up strikeouts, but are also big ground ball pitchers. And we're seeing that from Framber. And, and he's just adding a guy to a rotation, a rotation that's already been good. And, and we're getting Framber back, and he's looking like the same guy that we saw last year. Yeah, man, Framber is probably my favorite one to watch right now, my favorite pitcher. Uh, love watching him pitch. They were talking last night how he leads all of baseball in ground ball outs. Mm -hmm. So that right there is amazing. That is, an, that is a Houston Astros type of stat right there. Because And you hit it like right just a second ago when you talked about Keuchel because that's what Keuchel did here. Framber's going to be one of those top of the rotation guys, man. We've already got Luis Garcia, who's like who we both think is emerging as an ace. we got Lance McCullers, Framber, or Kitty. I mean, there's just – dude, we've got so much pitching right now. And we've mm -hmm. still got Granky. And I still think that one way or another, we're going to bring back either Granky or Verlander next year. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, especially yeah. with the Carlos Correa situation. But, you know, the pitching right now is just amazing. And um, they're, they're not overpowering type of guys. So it's not like we're going to be looking at uh, someone who's going to, you know, lose a year for Tommy John or something like that. So I, I just want to let you know, I just got an alert for the Astros uh, lineup today. Altuve, McCormick, and Wright, Brantley, Correa, Alvarez, D.H., Toro at third, Taylor Jones at first, Maldonado at catcher, Straw in center field. So we talked, we've talked about, you know, hopefully Baker wouldn't put out that, uh, that, you know, getaway lineup. But, and I know there are the injuries, but you're seeing Taylor Jones at first base, 
So we'll see how that works out. I guess he's giving Guriel the day off, but hopefully they'll finish the sweep regardless. One other guy I wanted to talk about real quick, Miles Strong. We, we've talked about him a lot early. We talked about him a lot, a little bit as he was improving. Um, but overall, man, the numbers are just, as the, as he's gotten more bets, the numbers have gotten better and better. So through April, he was hitting 212. He had a 547 OPS. Going to May, he hits 261, has a 637 OPS. And then now in June, he's hitting 308 and a 790 OPS. And I don't know if he he's going to be able to maintain what he's doing in June for the rest of the season or whatever. But you know, somewhere between that May and June line, if he can hit, if he can hit yeah. anywhere between 270, 280, have an OPS around 700, 750 or something like that, play solid defense. And his defense has gotten a lot better in center <laughs> field. You know, you're going to start getting that production out of him that I think we were expecting. You know, when the season started. Yeah, absolutely. Like you just said, if he could somewhere, you know, land in between that May and June line, that would be good. And, and his route running has been a lot better. Uh, you know, for tracking down fly balls at mm-hmm. least recently. So you can tell he's been working on that. Um, I did think it was interesting that yesterday, I don't know if you watched the entire game, but for whatever reason, Fox had him mic'd up. Of all players, yeah. they yep. chose Miles Straw. But hey, you know, that's cool. But, you know, man, Miles Straw, um, something that you and I had talked about earlier in the season was, you know, if he turns out to be a legitimate center fielder, like a, a good ball player, having that kind of speed at the bottom of the lineup is going to be very, very good for us because for sure. you basically have like that extra leadoff guy at the bottom. And, you know, he maybe not necessarily has, has been doing like, he hasn't been doing great with the bat, but man, he has been improving big time, as you just said, with, with from his April to May and from May to June. Yeah. And that's one of those things, like I said, if he can find a, find a sweet spot in between there, I mean, hell, if he can keep up what he's doing in June for the rest of the season, I'll, I'll gladly take that. But even if he's sitting 270 or 280, he's drawing some walks like he is and, and getting some hits at the bottom of the lineup, then you're getting production out of that position that, maybe early in the season one you weren't getting or two you maybe weren't even expecting. So nice to see him kind of find his stroke and, and also find it defensively because we're seeing, you know, he's taking, like you mentioned, a lot better routes. He's he's getting to balls that uh, off the bat are looking like hits and he's tracking them down and it was just looking a lot more comfortable out in center field and maybe just getting more reps, getting more time at the major league level. And he's kind of, kind of starting to, to, they always talk about, you can't, form an opinion off of a guy who's had 120 at bats at the major league level. And I know fans tend to do that and I understand why, but it takes a while for a guy to really see what the guy can do and consistent at bats. The same thing with Toro. And that's why I kind of want to see him get those consistent at uh, consistent at bats. Now, if he has the opportunity to see what you got, because we'll see what Miles Straw ends up doing the rest of the season and what maybe does the rest of his career. But if this trend is, is uh, indicative of what he's going to keep doing and he, you know, keeps hitting like this. There's a lot of people that were calling for him to be cut or traded in April. And now he's actually, you know, <laughs> appearing to be a legitimate center fielder, you know, solid defensively and solid with the bat. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, I mean, we all knew we weren't going to get George Springer type production from mm-hmm. him. He's just not that type of player, but we also knew that like we were going to be replacing Springer offensively, basically through Jordan because Jordan missed all of last season. Right. And then, you know, defensively, if he could just match it or get kind of close to it. And I think we're seeing a good mix of that, man. I really yeah. do. Um, I mean, Straw's not going to, you know, be a multi-time all-star, at least not at, at this stage in his career, but yeah. he's serviceable. And in For a sure. lineup where we have seven deep or where we have all these, and we have multiple MVP candidates in our lineup, yep. he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He doesn't need to be George Springer. He just needs to be himself. And he's doing really well right now. Yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.